It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Happy New Year to you, the fight fans and the listeners of BTR Boxing Podcast. I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for this podcast. You know who it is. It's Bear Attack Boxing. Now, Bear Attack Boxing, relatively new on the scene, looking to progress even further going into 2019 with their high-quality boxing gloves. If you go onto their website, which is www.bearattackboxing.co uk you'll be able to find all their brilliant products you'll be able to find what's coming up in the future for them who endorses them people like tyrone mckenna and tommy mccarthy and there's going to be much more to come from them in 2019 so give them a follow on twitter at attack boxing and on facebook at bear attack boxing and from the first of january in the new year use the special code bab 2019 code directly for you the listeners to get a discount on the high quality boxing gloves that they sell so you know where to find them www.bearersatboxing.co.uk Welcome fight fans to episode number four of The Life and Times Of and today's episode is about Kingpin Kevin Johnson, brilliant chat that I had with him in this interview, really great to hear about his storied career, being in with the likes of Vitaly Klitschko, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora, it's a who's who on Kingpin's resume. It was really good to hear about his background growing up, coming into boxing, all the stories that you've probably never heard about, the fights leading up with Vitaly Klitschko, even the recent fight with Daniel Debrand. There's a great story that he shares there with us that no one probably knew about from that fight. So it was a really great overall chat. And we get to hear about his plans for the future, which includes him setting up his own promotional company going forward. So I'm really excited to get this episode to you guys, and I, I really hope you enjoy it. Before you listen any further please get on 
on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Leave us a rating. It's so important that you leave us this rating because it does help us get into the rankings for Apple Podcasts and help share the love around. Also on Podbean, leave comments. There's a few guys that leave comments in there and share the episodes. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all the love and support that you're giving us. So here it is, the life and times of Kevin Kingpin Johnson. So I'm delighted to say I've got Kevin Kingpin Johnson on the phone with myself today. And I'm really excited to speak to you, Kevin. It's great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So I believe you're over in Germany. You base yourself in Germany now and um, you, you've got a few things set up over there. And when when did that move to Germany come about? Um, Germany has always, you know, I've been coming to Germany since 2002. And I liked everything about Germany. I liked the business. I liked the fight motto. I liked the networking. Um, I liked the entrepreneurship. But it all just makes sense right now. And I just got over here and um, the opportunity presented itself for me and a partner of mine to start doing the Kingpin Box promotion over here, which is uh, my own promotions, you know, let's get it up off the ground and see some more fighters get into the ring and get the career that they really trying to get out of themselves, you know? Yeah. So uh, I love boxing, and I know at the end of the day, I'm coming up on the end of I This is the end of my career right here, but nobody wants to just go home, close the door, and don't know when, tomorrow when you open it, what it's, what's out there for you. Many fighters, it's not me. I mean, I have, a, you know, a real estate company back in the States. Um, I have a cargo van company back in the States. And the Kingpin Box promotion is going to be, you know, another add-on. Because when I finish boxing, I'm not going to be one of those guys that's out there starving and hurting. Just trying to make a couple of dollars, but just, you know, doing it for no reason. I still fight because I like the tough competitors that's out there. But at the end of the day, I'm smart because I know this is it coming up. This 2019 is my last year fighting. So, you know, I'm going to just... Ended all fighting on my own shows and um, go out the way I want to go out. I'm not I'm not going out with somebody forcing a check down my throat. I'm actually writing my own check and calling it into my career and being satisfied with making over 50 pro fights in my career. That's all I want to do. Yeah, that's fair enough. And we're going to talk about your career on on this episode, and we're going to start from the beginning. And I think the question that I ask most fighters at this stage of the career is, what was it that actually got you into a boxing gym? What was it that got you uh, interested in boxing in general? You know, it's crazy. I was just telling somebody a story a couple of days ago. I had the opportunity to go to the United States Army. I had the opportunity to play for the Reds in trial team, which qualifies you to play for the Washington Redskins and and had the opportunity of boxing knock on my door. I had all that happen in 48 hours. So I turned down the U.S. military. I turned down the NFL and I turned, and and I, you know, I went went with boxing. Um, Why'd I go with boxing? Because boxing showed me more today and let's talk tomorrow. You know, um, I felt it the day I showed up in the gym that um, I felt a richness it was development and growth that I've never felt before. You know, the physique to go do that. I had everything for the military as well. So I had three promise and futures, but I had to pick one. And what was it about the the, the, the boxing game in general that actually attracted you to it? Was... I'm going to tell you, the guy's honest truth that attracted me to boxing is the first time my managers told me catch the train from it's a two-hour train ride from Asbury Park to North. It's the train up there. I'll pick you up and take you to a Jefferson. And, um... When I got on that train from Asbury Park going to Newark, something I never did, I seen some of the most beautiful, successful women that I didn't know existed outside of the hood. And they was about my same age bracket, too. 
I was like, what type of woman is this? And it just made me one. I, I kid you not. I caught that train with pride and dignity and the biggest smile every day. Oh, man, let me tell you, man, the women motivated me, man, to get on that train to go up to the gym, man, because if I was, if it wasn't for the beauty that I was chasing behind, I would have never met Box. I would have never gotten to the ring, actually, never. Would have never went to Newark, ever. But I seen something that I never seen in my hood. I seen something which was classy, elegant, still young, successful women. I was like, man. I don't know what that. I, I back then I didn't know what it was, but I was like, man, that is sexy right there. No? So your career then, as a whole, you know, it's littered with the who's who of of boxing and the who's who of heavy the heavyweight division. You've been in so some real tough fights, and you've got this reputation of being, you know, such a durable fighter in the heavyweight division and such a reliable fighter in the heavyweight division. I think it might be an early time to ask the question, but out of all the fighters you've been in the ring with, who has been the toughest one you've faced? I mean, I gotta say it hands down. I mean, it's pretty hard because a lot of people that I've been in there were, were very good and very durable and. But I got to give it to, you know, the UK's best, you know. Got to give it to him because he's the only person that did what no man could do, you know. That's the only blemish the only blemish on my record, you know. So you, when you say that the UK's own, I'm, I take it you're referring to AJ, Anthony Joshua. You know it, my man 50 <laughs> Grand. You know it, that's my man Grand. Everybody know that for sure. That's that's my man 50 Grand. But I, you got to give props and props to do. He was the first person to stop me, which... I damn sure didn't see that coming. I didn't see that a mile away. So going back through your career, you obviously once challenged for the WBC heavyweight crown, and that was Vitaly Klitschko a few years back. What was it like sharing the ring with Vitaly? Because he was always renowned as one of these... He was always renowned as the the better Klitschko of the two Klitschko brothers. Uh, Obviously, you only shared the ring with Vitaly. He's 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 the smarter of the Klitschko. That's why they say that he it like. If you know them, I know the Klitschko since before I was pro. I used to go up there and spar with him. Manny Stewart used to bring me up there, and Manny Stewart was the person that told me when I went to Syracuse, New York, in two thousand and nine. I went to the, I went to Syracuse, New York, to the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame, and Manny Stewart said to me, he said, "Kid, keep doing what you're doing. The name is ringing bells over here in the Klitschko camp. You're gonna be fighting for a championship." And them words from Manny Stewart, may he rest in peace. Them words from Manny Stewart, man, they kept, man, they made me stay in that damn gym. Because if I, if I didn't hear that, I was getting depressed at that time because I wasn't getting no breakthrough. You know, I was beating a lot of people and knocking out a lot of people at that time, but I wasn't getting a breakthrough, you know? What was it like when you started your pro career way back in 2003? Yeah. Well, it was different. It, it, it was different than any other fighters because when I started boxing, I was working in real estate. When I started working in real estate, I was working for a billionaire, a billion-dollar company, corporation called Arcadia Financial Group out of uh, New York. And my best friend owned that company. So, you know, boxing or not boxing, a lot of people box because of the money. And then a lot of people box because of status. Status-wise, I was already doing good far as where I'm at in New Jersey. And then money-wise, I was already making way more money than I ever dreamt. I made more money than I made in boxing and real estate. So 
the company just working for that company tells the tale itself. Nobody works for that company makes less than seven digits, you know. So if I didn't have such a, a major broker uh, experience at that time, so I didn't make seven, but I made six, you know. So, like when I started my boxing career, I was working in real estate. So, like boxing and then working in real estate with my best friend was a billionaire. I happened to start boxing. I didn't start it. Daryl Dawkins and Larry Holmes started my career. So I'm surrounded by greatness. So you can't, like, at that time, there was no way nobody can sidetrack me. Daryl Dawkins took me to Larry Holmes. I stayed with uh, Daryl Dawkins and Larry down in eastern Pennsylvania. And, you know, I'm traveling back and forth to continue working in real estate and everything. So, I mean, my boxing career was so different, man, because inside the ring I was doing good starting off. Outside the ring, I was doing so great. I was a single father, just got custody of my daughter, um, beautiful houses in Atlanta. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, I'm breaking in over 100000 a year, over, after all expenses, so no overhead. Like, what could you ask for? It's a massive, massive start to the career, isn't it, really, when you mm-hmm. think about it? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's not a lot of people, there's definitely not a lot of fighters out there that get the same start to a career like that. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was so good that my my best friend, who was my boss, he wanted to sit down with my promoter and start our own promotion or start co-promoting. But um, you know, my you know my best friend being Jewish, and they and him being a you know a CEO, he don't take secondhand money. He take the firsthand money. So they could he couldn't see that number being what it was for the plan that I drew up after talking to my promoter and stuff, and um, he couldn't see it. But um. You know, here I am now today. I'm promoting now, so I still got the same like uh, parches in the pear tree. So, what was it like then, looking back at your career and going sort of three fights into your career? They throw you straight in with uh, Timur Ibrahim. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Ibrahimov. Abragamov, yeah. Abragamov, that's the one. Yeah, he was thir- he was thirteen and zero at the time you fought him, and you- you'd only had three fights. I, I never, I never forget. I just, I just had like one of the most upsetting moments where. Larry Holmes started back fighting, so he got busy. So I didn't like that because I'm a fighter and I, I want to be where he's at, you know? Yeah. And if he's busy, that means it's going to take me longer. So somebody told me, look, there's an opportunity that came up. You have all to gain and nothing to lose. But if you win this fight, it'll separate you from every heavyweight in the United States. It will separate you. I was 3-0 and at the time. And his name is Jody Ballard from New Jersey, Broadway, New Jersey. He told me that. He said, if you win this fight, you got all to gain and nothing to lose. And it'll separate you from every heavyweight in the whole world. So I was like, dang. So I did the homework to it, which is the worst thing to do. I found out he had good amateur pedigree. He's from the Olympics. He's a pro. Way more. He had everything going for itself to scare anybody off. But I looked, I'm, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic. So I said, you know what? I'm going to win this fight. And I'm, I've been training hard. We never had a day off at that time. And I've been training hard. And I said, you know what? It was five days before the fight, I took the fight. I took it knowing that I was going to win because the hunger and desire deep down inside of me was something nobody could stop. I had a billion-dollar corporation that I, that I was, you know, behind me. I've got Larry Holmes and Daryl Dawkins there behind me. So my fuel for fire was undeniably the worst pale pit you would ever want to touch at that time. You didn't want to touch it. I would embarrass you. And I took it, and I, I beat the hell out of him. And 
I actually had him. If I knew how to finish a fighter back then, I would have knocked him out. But I didn't know how to finish, you know. And then the fight was scored a draw as well, weren't it? Which was uh, like you say, you you you, you did. I've, I've seen that fight, and I remember watching the fight. I remember you beating him from pillar to post, and then it's one of them situations in boxing where you think to yourself, "Oh, here we go again, another bad scorecard." You know what? And I talked to his trainer and his promoter, who was um, Debella. And when they told me I won that, when they told me what they told me about that fight, I felt good about myself. Like at that time, having a draw. I, it felt like a loss to me, you know? Yeah. And to, when everybody came to me afterwards and said, man, do you know what you've done? Because back then, it was Malcolm Tan, it was Dominique Gwynn, it was um, other heavyweights that was named. I wanted to buzz hard. I wanted to fight them, you know? Th- those are the guys I wanted to fight at 3-0, and 5-0, and 7-0, and because I knew I could compete. That's what my heart was, you know? And I know I would make it there, but um, I had no doubts. I had no doubts of it. I've never had a doubt of any fight ever in my life, ever losing a fight ever in my life at that back when I started off. You couldn't, you couldn't spell. My sister, my sister was a track star. She used to get up and run three to five miles in the morning, where I couldn't even make it through the whole run. So you know, my brother was a track star. Like these are these are the pedigree I come from. We like. Anybody ask me what's my favorite sport in the world, it's not boxing. My favorite sport in the world is running. My whole family are runners. I'm a runner. I love running. I'm getting ready to do a marathon in 2019, a 10K uh, marathon. I love running more than anything in the world. And you ended up the boxer. <laughs> a family full of runners and you're the boxer. Yeah, yeah. So, Kevin then, fast-forwarding back to the Klitschko fight then. Obviously, at this point, you're, you're, undefeated, you're undefeated. You've got that one draw on your record. You've, you've Essentially, you've really worked your way up to, 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 to the opportunity to face, obviously, Vitaly Klitschko, who at that point was... You know, he was he was a feared man in the division. Him and his brother Vladimir, they essentially ruled the division for quite a long period of time. We know that. But going into that fight, how how confident were you that you could go in there and upset the apple cart against him? Four four weeks before the eight weeks, ten weeks before the fight, when I got the notice, I knew I was going to win. I knew he was too slow. As if you watch the fight, I can see everything coming in three D, and I can dip it and move it as a welterweight. That wasn't the problem. The problem came four weeks before the fight when from sparring with all the tall dudes that I had, I messed my right shoulder up so bad and I messed up my um my rotator cup so bad that we actually called to postpone or push the date back. And they told us exact words that if we um, po- try to postpone or we wanted to cancel, they're just going to find somebody else. So I had to, I had to access it like, damn. How good do you think you are to go? All I got is the left hand. Left hand is bread and butter. But even a jab wouldn't land. He's so long. Six foot nine with an 84 inch reach was a little longer than mine. But the way he pulled back, it makes it like a, it makes it like a Tyson Fury type of reach. It's, it's almost hard to get him. I fought 12 rounds. Not worried about getting hit, just trying to hit him. And then when I actually cut him open and go in and start unloading the left. I, I couldn't land. There was no right hand the whole fight. It could there could not ever been a right hand. So I knew if I didn't get a major cut like Lennox Lewis did, which was my goal. That was my goal. I cut him, but couldn't keep reaching it to bust it open to, you know, have the fight go in my favor. So I knew I was going to lose if it went the distance. I knew it. I had no right hand whatsoever, and um, you know, I, I wouldn't 
changed for the world. I still would have went in. There's many fighters that fought with broken hands and, you know, a lot of other things in the world. And that was more worse than that. But, you know, as a fighter, you go in, you try to score what you call an upset, and that, that was the end result. Because I know, like I tell everybody, the rematch and that, my rematch, if I would have beat him, was worth $10 million. They don't want $10 million from my hood. Going forward, Kevin, talking about the rest of your career, so I said it at the top of the, 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 the recording at the start of the episode, essentially, you've been in with kind of the who's who of heavyweight boxing in, in this generation, and obviously 2012, you came up against a, a young, sort of pretty, pretty green Tyson Fury at that point, and uh, he's not the fighter he is today, he's not been through the struggles he's been through to where he is today. What was it like getting in the ring with someone as young and hungry and brash and as confident as him at that time? It was nothing getting in with Tyson Fury because nobody knew me and Tyson Fury was training together. So to fight the guy you train with is like the worst thing you can ever do. So it's just it like a it was it's like a sparring it was session. The biggest the biggest element of surprise I have for him, he was well adjusted way before the fight because we we spar endless amounts together, me Tyson and Huey. You know, like we had endless amounts of sparring, endless. So to fight him on a five-day notice and think that I'm going to kill him with my ultimate surprise, throw that shit. Throw that in the garbage. Throw it in the garbage. Like, I knew for a fact fighting Tyson, I knew he wouldn't knock me out. Five-day notice, nobody's going to knock me out. Like, I don't care who you are. It don't matter. It's not your strength or your power. It's just my will that gets me through. I fought some guys where people that were some guys that landed some shit where people thought me that put some guys out and people thought it should put me out. It's just my will to want to go on makes me just just not want to go down. Which is where you've got the reputation from as being one of the most durable heavyweights out there, even today. Oh, I'm, de- I'm definitely. I just fought. I just fought. Um, I just fought. I just fought. Um, Daniel Du Bois on a short notice, and went the distance with him. And nobody knows this till today. I'll share this with you. If you watch the Daniel Du Bois fight, this is how, this is crazy. If you watch the fight, in the first round, you'll see me back up into the V of the ropes. And I took the biggest, deepest breath that no fighter has ever took in boxing history. And it showed because he actually cracked my rib. And if I, if he known that he did that, the fight, if he would have touched it again, I was going down. But he himself, and he tested like maybe three more times, but that's how strong my will is. You, If you go back and watch that fight and watch it the first round, when I'm in the pie is like two minutes into the first round, I backed up into the via the ropes and I took a deep breath that looked like somebody was just on an oxygen machine. And that was me checking to see if my ribs was broken or puncturing something on the inside. Cause that's how I knew for a fact he cracked right then and there. What do you what do you make of Daniel Dubois? Do you think he is a, a top heavyweight prospect that he's being hyped up to be in the UK? I just tell you, if he fight the guy I just fought in Croatia, he'll knock him out. I know that for sure. So Her- Hergovic, Philippe Hergovic, is uh, also another guy who's been he's been raved about a little bit, isn't he? Uh, in 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 the media, nah, he's not ready. He's not ready yet. The voice ready. He's not the Croatian guy. Not ready yet. Mm-mm. So you, you said 2019 is probably going to be your last year of your professional career. 100%. Promotion was taking too much. It's taking too much time out of me. Too much on the business side. I'm picking up fighters. I got a cruiserweight that I'm focused on. You know, I want to see Kingpin promotion give back what I got out of boxing. You know, I want to give back like what I got 
but there's so many like I come from a small hood town called Asbury Park, which developed was redeveloped into one of the most beautiful cities now. But there's a lot of kids out there that want what I what I got, you know? And I want to be the guy to be able to deliver it. There's people, but I don't want to just do it in the United States. I don't want to just do it in New Jersey. I don't want to do it in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live in Atlanta. I don't want to do it. I just I want to do it worldwide. And that's why I figure if I can start worldwide, it's so easy to do it statewide, you know? So you've started the promotion up, the Kingpin uh, promotion, and you saw, you were talking about your first show being in March this year. March 9th, I got... Um, um, I got March 9th, Christian Hiller will be fighting his first championship fight on that one. Well, excuse me, not first. He'll be fighting the championship fight on that one. He'll be the main bill on that one. I got March, I got June, and I got October. Those are my three arena dates here in Germany. So is it is it strange that, well, it probably won't be strange for you, but is it strange like, a, you know, an American heavyweight fighter now bases himself in Germany and puts promotional shows on in Germany was uh, the fact that you've really enjoyed being there and basing yourself there was that a, a big contributing factor is, as to why you decided to sort of base your promotions and your arena dates over in Germany no I'm a guy I'm a guy that like to shoot further than anywhere anybody else has went that's what's amazing you know I'm not doing it local a lot of people start off in there and first of all in my hometown I would sell out a whole 10,000 arena in my hometown easily. So a lot of people would start there. I'm doing it backwards, but the successful way I'm looking at it, which is I'm, I'm starting where, I mean, it's not a country you can't go to. Romania, Croatia, Bulgaria, Germany, Austria, London, Holland, Scotland. There's not an Amsterdam. There's not a country you can't go to. Spain. There's not a country you can't go to and say my name and I don't get the love that I get or the support. Or, or, or just even, you know, the fan base, you know, or even just the mindset of people wanting to support what I'm doing. There's nowhere you can go. I love it. I appreciate it. And at the end of the day, it's God's will. He gave it to me, so I'm going to take advantage of it. You know, I'm not going to sit back and just ponder it and be 50, 60, 70 and say, man, what if I would have? I'm not a what if I would have. I'm the guy that acts on his actions that look like I walk out on faith. That's all my whole life in faith. I started from the bottom. You know, any man that can any man that can survive uh, two years in jail, boy, I tell you right there, you gotta have a hell of an envisionment to know that you're gonna make it out and be successful. What was you? Uh, what was you in jail for, Kevin? You can pick out of all things fighting. So, I, ironically, the one thing that's made you a successful yeah. fighter and businessman. Yeah, I was a bad fighter as a kid. I used to. I just want to fight all day, every day. Fighting, and you know, I was a street kid, so where I'm from, it's a lot of drug dealing. You learn drug dealing before you learn anything else. So, you know, I'm glad I, I gave that life up and, you know, got into boxing because all my friends and the people I know that did it, they're either dead from drugs, people shooting them or robbing them, or they either just, you know, killed by the uh, judicial justice system. So, it's not the life that I want to go down in, not having a, a daughter, not being a single father, you know? I got to go home. I have to go home every day. There's a difference between going home and you have to. I was a single father, you know? I lost my daughter's mom. She died when my daughter was about two. So, you know, I have to go home. There's a difference when you have to. You know, you start make you start making major life decisions when you have to do something. You know, when you when you got a regular nine to five and you have to get up and go to work every day and you have to pay them bills because nobody's there to help you, or you have to look them kids in their face and you have to have an answer supplies supply in demand breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 
and all recreational and school bouts that move on about you have to have answers. So when you have to have an answer, I said, man, I can't do this dumb stuff no more. I can't be surrounded with the dumb people and keep doing all this nonsense, man. Because at the end of the day, my have tos is going to turn to my knots, and I'm not never going to not see my daughter. You know, totally understand that. I can relate to that being a, a family man yeah. myself. You know, it's I'm, yeah. I'm exactly the same. It's one of them when you have a child, you you get up and you get up and wake up and you think you're doing it for them. Nine times, man. Every day I woke up, I did it for two people, my daughter and my dog. I had to let that dog out to use the bathroom, and I had to feed the dog. And then after he did, after I let him back in. The rest of the day belongs to my daughter. So, going back to boxing, Kevin, talking about boxing, what would you say as the fa- has been the favourite part of your career? Sort of instances or anything that's happened in the background or meeting certain people. I know, obviously, you mentioned Larry Holmes, who's one of the best heavyweight fighters there's you know there's ever been. What's been the most favourite part and enjoyable experience of of your boxing career? The best part of my career was seeing my mother smile. That was my best part. Because I got I got six brothers and sisters. There's seven of us. I got six brothers and sisters, and all of them are very successful, highly overgraduate uh, college material. I mean, degrees that I can't even just begin to even tell you about. Even my mother herself. My mother got five degrees. So that tells you the, the, the where the family I come from. But I didn't do none of that. But at the end of the day, for goodness' sake, I never even graduated from high school. So I always wanted to put a smile on my face, my mom's face, the way these my, my brothers and sisters did. As far as when she mentioned success of her kids, you know, when you start from the top, well, what does he do? Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, my God, it's lavish. Well, what does she do? Oh, my God, that's beautiful. That's lavish. Well, what does this one, Kevin, do? Oh, well, now when they mention what I do, you know, my mom can smile. You know, it came to her in a, another whole unique way. But at the end of the day, man, she's smiling. She's enjoying it. She's loving it. Uh, she, I love her. She loves me. She's my best friend, my doctor, psychiatrist, my pastor. That's the best part about boxing for me, man. What just, just, just my mom and my, you know, my mom just turning my life around. I wouldn't have turned my life around if it wasn't for her. You know. And really, in the same sense, what's been the worst? What's been the sort of would you say the lowest point of being uh, in the fight game has been for you? Being away from home so much, I had to leave. Like I'd say, I was a single father. So from 2004 all the way till um, my daughter, she's way over over age now. But up until certain years years ago, I couldn't really. It was hard to turn your back on home. It was hard, and then I always trained where Fort where overseas. Do you know how hard it is to lead a country? And you have I don't, I don't have no I didn't have no family at that time in Georgia. I didn't have none. You know, I didn't have none. And then when my brother and his wife moved there, their career they got careers. They can't be there sixteen hours a day. You know what I mean? So like. Turning my back on my daughter, like I'm like, oh man, dude, it just, it just hurt it, dude. It hurt it bad. Like, and I'm a father. I'm a father, father. I love, I love, and I love hard. You know, so that was the, that was the hardest part. My daughter. That was the hardest part, man. I don't know if people understand what it means to be a single parent. And I hear people all the time talk junk about, you know, their significant other or the kid's mother or the kid. Oh, I did it. So going into this 
year 2019 that we're in you talked about the promotional side of things you've talked about fighters and you you've just come from from doing a class just getting straight into this episode with me are you are you considering like going into the 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 training side of things as well or yeah yeah, i'm having fun i'm having fun doing well not really not really because i have a trainer and that's his job to do that stuff but um I really won't go into that aspect because it's either you're going to be a trainer or you're going to be promoter. Can't do both. No, that's true. It's a very difficult job to try and do the promoting and the training and sometimes even the matchmaking as well. So you've got people that do that for you. I ain't going to lie. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Like today, man, I trained a lovely class, man. Beautiful class. They love me and I love them, man. But at the end of the day, once it gets to that level to where it's supposed to get to... How often will you be able to do that, you know? So, your ultimate goals then, now, you've come, you're coming towards the end of your boxing career, like you've said. 2019 is going to be the final year for Kevin Kingpin Johnson. What are your ultimate goals for the future in, involved in boxing or in, just in general in life? Put on good shows and take promising fighters to where they're supposed to get to. That's it, you know? I'm not looking to... I'm not looking to make billions of dollars and become the mainstream of Germany. I'm not trying to push no promotional groups out the way. I'm not trying to do none of that. I'm just trying to put on for the city I'm in. That's it. And um, let that city and the fighters get to where they need to get to. You know, it may be what me. It may just be a pato. Just interested in putting on big shows and giving fighters what they're looking for. That's it. Going to the current boxing scene, finally, who would you say at the moment, is your... If you if you take yourself away from the situation for one moment, as in fighter, who would be your, your favourite fighter throughout all the weight categories at the moment? Now, are you saying all weight divisions, or...? Yeah, so if you was to, if you was to look at just heavyweight, well, you could you could you could name a heavyweight one, or you could look at pound for pound. Who would you say is your favorite fighter at the moment? I mean, pound for pound, nobody tops Floyd Mayweather, of course not. No pound for pound, nobody tops that. You know, until 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 Anthony Joshua get them fights up there, he he, he he's going to top it. You know, but um, right now pound for pound, I got to stick with my boy Money Mayweather. But um, if I had to pick, everybody want to hear me choose and pick who's my favorite heavyweight in the whole world right now, active. Oh goodness, man, I couldn't. I, it's hard for me to pick my favorite heavyweight active right now because like a lot of your champions, I'm friends with. You know. Yeah. So. I can't, that's my not favorite front, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got that. I wouldn't disrespect him like that. I wouldn't respect him. I just know right now, if all the fighters fight, I know who will win that tournament. That's an interesting. Well, that's funny because I was going <laughs> to, I was going to ask you that question, funnily enough, I was going to say. I know who, I know who going to win that tournament, boy. <laughs> Woo! I was going to say to you, having, having, having shared the ring with both Fury and Joshua, you know, that was going to be my next question. Who do you, who do you think at this moment would, would win? It really depends on which Fury shows up. Like I say, like Deontay Wilder versus Fury. Fury's a good friend of mine. And Deontay Wilder is a great friend of mine, too, you know? And like I told everybody during that fight, I told everybody I'm betting my money on Deontay Wilder knockout. Guarantee it's going to be a knockout. It's going to take a minute to get it, but I guarantee bet your money on 7-8 round knockout. And he came close to doing that fucking K- that freaking KO bad. 
You feel me? Yeah, I don't know and how we got up. I don't know how Tyson Fury got up in that 12th round. How he, he did because it's the will. The will to want to get up got him up. Did you enjoy seeing that fight? Man, that fight was nice. That fight was nice. Um, But if it came down to Anthony Joshua, Fury definitely wouldn't have got up. And if Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua fight, let me see what I can see. Let me see what I can see. From, from being in the ring with both of them, Anthony, Anthony and Deontay. Oh, my gosh, dude. Like, whoo. That's a dangerous fight, man. Who would I pick? Who would I bet my 100,000 pounds on? Oh, man. I would bet all of my money on a knockout by... See, I can't because when, when Anthony Joshua fought Takeham, you see how he looked. It was embarrassing. But when he fought Povetkin, he was more explosive than the Cusco fight. So it depends on which AJ shows up. You know? <laughs> I know exactly. If, if, De, if, if Deontay, if Deontay getting there with the Anthony Joshua that was overly trained in strength, was overly strength trained, then of course Deontay Wilder. But if Deontay getting there with the AJ that fought Povetkin, that's going to AJ, bro, all day. So I would truthfully try to sit in his camp and see which one I'm getting and how I'm a bet on him. That's it. It's exciting, isn't it? Like that the, the way the heavyweight division has just exploded over the past twenty four months with obviously Anthony Joshua's, you know, the fight with Klitschko and then we've had Deontay Wilder and Fury getting it on and you know, hopefully twenty nineteen will be another great dawning of the heavyweight era. It seems to have you know, without disres- being disrespectful to sort of the Klitschko era, you know, as soon as, you know, these two guys have gone from the heavyweight scene, everything seems well, to be on. wide open. Well, hold on, let me give you this. Don't forget, if my boy Dylan White fight Anthony Joshua again, I got all my money on Dylan White. Great. Interesting. There's good talk of that happening, isn't there, in April? Hey, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this in the Dylan White voice. Big one had to put me money on Mirucci. Yeah? <laughs> interesting. It's an interesting uh, time to be a part of boxing and especially the heavyweight boxing scene is you know is 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 brilliant at the moment and obviously you got your you've got your final year you got 2019 your final year and you've got your promotion you've got your first show in march uh, you've got your shows coming up later on in the year you talked about getting a potential tv deal for them as well and if if that if that comes off that'll be then something that you know guys like us in the UK will be able to pick up uh, and be able to see some of the shows you're putting on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely my business manager um, he's in the hospital right now and I ask for everybody out there in London to pray for him everybody in boxer knows who he is yeah, all the fans that ever seen me know who he is uh, my business manager Richard Dean he's in the hospital in London I'm getting ready to fly out on any given day I just got back from holiday, but I'm getting ready to fly back out because I need him to. I need God's favor and mercy over him, and I ask for everybody to pray for him and send their love and prayers out to Richard. But um, UK is where it's at right now, man. It's where it's at. I'm not going to disagree with that. It's, uh, it seems to be buzzing at the moment, British boxing and boxing in general over in the UK and. It's an exciting time. Would you consider putting a show on over here? No. Nah. I ain't stepping on Eddie Hearn's toes. Hell no. Step on Eddie Hearn's toes, you get a foot up your ass. I ain't doing that. <laughs> I would if Eddie wasn't there. I can understand that. He's uh he's taking over seems to be taking over the world at the moment, doesn't he? Thank you. You said it better than I could say it. He he is, he is. I mean, 
And, and Frank Warren as well. Frank Warren has been there for a long time. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not one. I'm not a. I'm not in the major leagues yet. But if I had Don King money, I would step in. I would step in over there and co-promote with them, and bring some of this great UK, UK, uh, US talent to the UK. I got my I got my boy out of uh, New Jersey, Slick Anderson. I want you guys to look him up. His name is Slick Anderson on um, social media, or um, it's Slick. Boy, this boy is the nastiest. Let me tell you, I I want to bring him to the UK. I will promote him in the UK by himself. Who else have you got that you could tell us about that we should be looking out for? Oh, I got a cruiserweight Christian Hiller from Germany. I got a welterweight from Germany. I have another female. She's from. She's not from Croatia. I forget where she's from exactly, but she's based out of Germany. And then I got. I got one of my favorite fighters from my hometown, Asbury Park. If you go on social media, look him up. He's under Toot Bland. He's going to be the. He's going to be the next. He. He. If him and Floyd Mayweather was the fight, he'd get Floyd. Bold statement. Yeah, man. I'm telling you. Look them up. Look them up when we get off. The, look them up. Definitely will. No. Uh, I think Instagram, he's um, toot, T-O-O-T, underscore bland, B-L-A-N-D. Look them up. And for a lot of people that have been trying to hit me up on Facebook, my Facebook page is full. Uh, gotta hit, i got to hire another PR. But a lot of people can hit me up on Instagram. I'm on Instagram live. I'm like I'm I'm there. I'm Kevin Johnson two six four seven. So a lot of people can hit me up on there, and everybody is on. They they're all in my page. We'll we'll all definitely look out for them, and we'll look out for your your promotion and your, your obviously your show, and hopefully it'll get that TV deal where we were able to get some footage of of the fights from the show and see what the shows are like. And obviously you've given the social media handles to find you on and. You know, it's been great speaking to you. It's been great having you on, telling us about your career and some of the, you know, the ups, the downs, the 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 stuff that people didn't know about, the injuries, you know, in certain fights where people probably wouldn't have known about all this type of stuff before because it's not always public knowledge. So it's been great to to get that type of information from you. You know, the, the fact that you was around Larry Holmes, uh, Manny Stewart, all the all the stuff you've done over your career. It's uh, it's been a real successful career. Yeah, yeah, very. Very. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change nothing. Like I. Like I told somebody. Um. Somebody asked me about a month ago. They was like, "Man, dude, how come you got into boxing? I mean, did you get into boxing to be a heavyweight champion and to make millions?" And I told them, "No." I said, "You got to look at it into what's God's plan. Boxing was going to take me to a certain level." to open up another door and it has not just promotion just something else i'm not talking about right now that opened up hugely and i'm honored and blessed to see this door open that it just one in a million that happens for in life and i'm getting ready to take off into that as well that's why i'm giving up i could promote and keep fighting but i can't keep up on this other journey promote and fight i can't and I'd rather take this other journey over keep fighting. Plus, if I look at it, my timetable is now ticking. So I'd rather, you know, I'm still here with a clear mind, clear sets, 
beautiful family, and um, I don't have no thoughts, blemishes, or nothing on me. Why not go out like that? You know what I mean? So, but the person asked me, didn't you get into it because of, you know, championship and you wanted to make millions? I'm like, no. Boxing was going to take me to a certain place, introduce me to certain people, and open up certain doors. That's all boxing was in my life for. It did that. And now the doors that is open that I prayed for all my life, I got it. I get it, and I will capitalize. I'll tell you what, it's been an absolute pleasure to to hear your stories, to hear everything you've done, to hear where you're going, and, you know, it's it's, it's re- real talk. That's what I say, real talk. And it's been an absolutely enjoyable experience to have you on. And I'm pretty sure the guys that listen to the podcast will be more than happy to, to have heard from yourself. And like you say earlier in the episode you do get a lot of love from the UK you do the people you know they've all, they've all got love for you here in the UK and it's uh, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of people out there that'll listen to it and think wow I didn't really know that about Kevin Johnson you know about his career and stuff that's happened and the type of guy he really is and I'm pretty sure it'll uh, it'll definitely certain, certainly, it'll certainly for me bring you know a, a lot of praise for yourself and like I said it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on and really appreciate your time Hey, and definitely, and see, here's one thing that people don't know, that when it comes to the UK, I'm in the UK all the time. I do speaking engagement at the schools and colleges, and I, I'm getting ready to close a contract with the jails to do life coach, life speaking, um, and mentoring prisoners in jail in London. I'm looking at a five jail contract coming up. And it's so like people don't understand. That's why that's that's why the statement says, Do you always dream of being heavyweight champion? No. Boxing was just gonna open up certain doors. Because my life and my purpose is way bigger than boxing. But I needed those doors to open. Now that they're open, I'm there. But I'm in London all the time. I sit on the shore side of Liverpool. I shoot over the boat in where the Furies is at. I shoot down to Birmingham. I shoot down to Manchester. I'm in High Wycombe, um, Marleyburn. I'm in London City. I'm all through London all year round. And people that's listening that know when they see me, they know they see me. I'm there. Like I'm about to shoot back after holiday. I'm about to shoot back because of um, my business manager, Richard. I'm about to shoot back and come spend as much time I got to spend in London. Are you going to be doing any sort of dinner, evening speaking over in the UK? Have you got any plans for that? Like you talked about the jail, uh, going around to the jails and obviously speaking to people, which I think is an amazing thing for you to do, you know, giving giving back to people, you know, a, a potential, you know, route that you could have stayed down, but you didn't. And it's good that you, you're going out there and doing that for people. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was Richard's job and... Right now, with him in the hospital, everything is on pause. Like I can't, I can't navigate and call the people that he called. You know, he had everything and all contracts locked in. So, um, and then you know, like he's going through, you know, it's just a rough patch. You know, for God's sake, he just lost his mother. Now he's in the hospital, and now I'm dealing with a double rough patch. You know what I mean? It's like 
I love the UK. I'm always in the UK. The colleges know what colleges are, man. They're going to give big shots out to, you know, which schools I come to and which colleges I come to. And once Richard recovers from this thing, because God gave him a victory, he will beat this. Once he recovers, we're going to go ahead straight back for it. And you guys will see the Kevin Johnson walk like I do. I walk the walk. I don't talk. I walk. I'll never forget when I met somebody back 20 years ago. I said the first person that I meet that stopped talking to me and telling me dreams and to start walking in front of me and show me how to get this cream, I'm going to follow them. And I had a person do that. And that's Richard. You know, Richard, he walks. He don't talk. He walks. You know? Well, Kevin, like I said, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed having you on. Thank you for letting people know where to find you on social media and obviously to where to find some of the fighters that you're promoting. I'm pretty sure we'll go and look out for them and we'll keep an eye out for, for them for the future. Um, is there anything anything else, any other thanks you want to give before we, uh, we call it an evening? Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for the long life journey of spend freaking 16 years of my career thanks for the love support attributes prayers uh thanks for the outings and journeys that people have been there by me you know not just the uk but through just city to city state to state country to country but big shout especially to my peoples over in uk big shout to my girl sabrina mercury over in the uk who's always came out no matter when i step foot there she's always there Big shouts to Sabrina. But I want to thank everybody, and I want to continue to thank everybody, and I will continue to thank everybody for the love, support, guidance, tutorials, mentorship, uh, advice, everything that I've been given, whether it was um, hard criticism, which was meant through love, or with love. You know, I just want to thank everybody. You got to just take it all in. So there you go, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Kevin Kingpin Johnson. What a story he has to tell. Brilliant story he's got to tell. And he's brilliant. He just seems like a brilliant guy in general. And I really enjoyed speaking to him. But before I put a close to this episode, you probably heard him mention on the interview that we did that his business manager, Richard Dean, is quite poorly in hospital in London at the moment. And I promised Kevin that I would make sure we give him uh, a big get well soon so Richard if you do listen to this I hope you get well soon my friend uh, I hope to link up with you guys both soon but guys thank you for listening find us up a podcast subscribe if you've not already done it make sure you leave that rating and a review if possible if you go on Podbean and you use Podbean find us on there we're there BTR Boxing Pod find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast really hope you've enjoyed the episode Bye, five fans. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.